0: These words from 2 Peter 2, verse 1 and 2 again. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. As we continue in our study of these words today, I want us to focus on these words here in verse 1. Denying the Master who bought them. Denying the Master who bought them. Why? It's because of all of the sins that men and women can commit. This one is by far the worst. By far the worst. And yes, all those other sins are wrong and they are abhorrent to God, such as lying and stealing and cheating and those kinds of sins. But to reject God completely, forgetting that He is the one who brought us up out of this slavery to self and He, as these words say, He bought us with the greatest price that could ever be paid, His own shed blood and life. Our rejection of Him crosses a line from which there really is no return. Let me read where our scriptures say that. This is in Hebrews 6, beginning in verse 4. For it is impossible, listen to these words carefully, they will frighten you. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Folks, listen. Don't these words sound like really good church members sitting in churches all over our nation right now. Those who were once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, and they have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. That looks like Christians but they've fallen away. Those words, as I said, are frightening because there are many who are sitting in churches that believe that they are fully saved, but they are not. They are these people here. And that's the danger, both for the false teachers that are coming into the churches. also true for those who follow their beliefs, who get carried away by their teaching. And no, you and I can't imagine ourselves doing such a thing. But this warning is given clearly and plainly. That given the right enticements, given the right provocations, we can easily start down that path of rejecting Christ ourselves without our ever realizing that it's taken place. Now, Scripture gives us some good examples, and one of them is the one that we've been studying in Sunday school. We saw there last week and this week where Israel was crying out to Samuel for a king to rule over them. Those dear people were provoked by their circumstances. They were frustrated with the corruption that was going on within their church within the practices of the judges at the time. Samuel was a righteous man, but his two sons who were coming along after him, both of them were corrupt. These people of Israel, they did not want any more corrupt leaders. They had suffered through Eli and his two sons. Now they were going to suffer through Samuel's sons. And they said, no, we don't want that anymore. But besides all that too, they were constantly being attacked By the Philistines and other raiding groups that were killing their families and stealing their animals and their crops. And so the perfect stage was set for their rebellion. They wanted a king that would protect them. But listen, the cries that they were using to Samuel and and to God, their cries of complaint didn't tell the whole story that was going on within their lives. The real underlying truth that had brought them to the condition that they were in had so much more to do with their spiritual lives. Yes, when they first had come into the Promised Land, Joshua was still there to lead them and they held strong to their faith. But as time passed and Joshua died, their hearts grew cold. They stopped calling out to the Lord. Their hearts grew cold and they slowly drifted away in their faith and their trust. And so then, as they began to cry out to Samuel to give them a king, God knew the real reason. And He said to Samuel, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. They no longer want me to be their king and their protector. They want their own choice of a leader. See how you can start to reject God? You get carried away by your circumstances and before you realize it, you have rejected God. And that's a very basic thing that takes place within our personalities. But listen, God knows the real reason behind everything that's taking place. As with these people here. He knew what was going on in their minds. Psalm 139 says clearly that He knows every thought that everyone thinks. Those people then, you and me right now, He knows every thought that we think right now before it ever comes to our tongue. He knows every inclination of our heart. And then also, as we know from our study last week in the book of Genesis, rejecting God as our leader, it has become a basic Part of our human soul. Adam and Eve, they had never sinned. They had never sinned. They were perfect otherwise. And they only needed this slight nudge, and along comes the clever demonic tempter Satan, and they fell over the edge into a life of corruption and suffering. And that's what happens when you reject God as your master, as these words say. And by the way, unfortunately for you and me, as Adam and Eve fell, they dragged us with them. Now our DNA is filled with these sinful desires and tendency, especially this inclination spoken about here to reject God in favor of our own choice of a master. And no, we don't say back to God, we don't want you as our master, we want someone else. We want our own selves to be the master. We want to be that master that replaces God. But whoever the master, the choice is still the same. We're rejecting God. You can hear the arguments. But can't I just make some choices of my own? Don't I have a right to live my life? How many times have you heard your favorite loved one say that in your face? Don't I have a right to have a life of my own? But listen... The problem is, once we have made our break with God, as Adam and Eve did, then we are out there. Out there on our own. And we are making rapid fire decisions about things that we know so very little about. And unfortunately, most of those decisions seem to turn out wrong. Now here is how all of this fits into our scriptures for today. We here in the South, we don't just openly reject God. We don't divorce ourselves from Him completely. We have still some measure of fear within our souls. What we do is the next best thing. We stay in our churches. We faithfully attend. We try our best to have the best of both worlds. We incorporate a mixture of what God wants and what He says here in His Word, but also what we want. And we come up with just enough religion to make us think that we're doing okay. But that never really works out very well for us. And we can see that in the evidence of our lives. And then also, to add to our dilemma, is what these Scripture verses is talking about here. Many of our church leaders have shown this consistent inclination to compromise biblical beliefs and standards in favor of what they are calling now relevancy. We want to be relevant. And also, we want to be inclusive. Two magic words that do not work out well within the church. It's misguided efforts to merge the beliefs and the activities of the church so that it can fit the mainstream desires of some of their members. It's a mixing and matching of biblical Christianity with secular worldview. And it's rampant within our churches. Our teachers and our preachers, they have themselves now, we're heading into the second and third generation of this liberalism that has taken place, our teachers and our preachers have themselves been learning blurred biblical doctrines. They've adopted them for their own beliefs and it's being passed on to them from their predecessors, their Bible teachers, their seminary professors and others. And now they're passing all of this blurred doctrine on to the next generation within their congregation, building more and more confused and misguided people. Are those leaders innocent? Not at all. They are fully responsible. How can we say that? It's because God is faithful to the church. He is always working within the hearts and minds of every one of those preachers and teachers and giving them the pure, incorruptible truths of God. But their problem is they're not submitting, humbly submitting to the Lord and to His truth. We all have this inheritance that we receive from Adam and Eve and it's deeply embedded within our souls where we want to be the ones to make the decision. We want to decide what is right and wrong. We want to take what God has put down in pure, infallible truth And we want to move it over slightly to match what we need in order to gain more members perhaps within our church, but especially to satisfy those who are coming in. Mixing biblical truths and secular worldview, and it doesn't work. When you add all of these factors that are impending upon our church leaders today what they've been learning, the misguided doctrines that they've been learning, what is being brought to them by their congregations, they begin to preach as these scriptures, today's text called destructive heresies. They believe them and they start teaching them. And let's understand that it doesn't matter the denomination. This is taking place in Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, charismatic churches. Each of us, each denomination, has its own little favorite destructive teachings. Now in the time that we have left for today, I want us to examine some of the most common destructive teachings and heresies. They're ones that you're already familiar with, but I need to bring them to you. Again, their intent is to do what this verse here in Scripture says, and it is to cause us to deny the Master who bought us. That's their intent. I want to use a word that the Bible scholars are using. It's a word I used a moment ago and it's liberalism. Liberalism. What is liberalism? This is the definition that I found Liberalism is defined as the moving away from the traditional and literal interpretation of scriptures into new interpretations that are more consistent with and favorable to secular worldviews. Now let me say that again, and I'll say it slowly. Liberalism is the moving away from the traditional and literal interpretation of scripture into this new interpretation that's more consistent, more favorable to secular worldviews. i To give you an example of what I'm talking about. I've given this before, but bear with me. We have our U.S. Constitution. It is worded exactly as it is worded. It has not changed. It's been added to with amendments over time, But it is absolute in what it says. But unfortunately we have what's taking place within our churches with these scriptures is taking place within the Supreme Court. You have judges who then take those absolute words and they interpret them. And we have judges on the Supreme Court right now that openly state that they want to move the understanding of what Those words of our Constitution absolutely say they want to move the meaning into a more modern, relevant application. Change the Constitution by interpretation. That's what takes place with liberalism in the church. That's what false preachers and teachers are doing with these scriptures they are interpreting these words in a way that's more consistent with the secular worldviews that are being brought to them from the outside and from the inside of their churches, and especially from their own congregation. So many within the congregations, they have difficult things going on in their own families, and they don't know how to deal with those matters. And so what they want to do is change the Scriptures reinterpret the Scriptures to make what's taking place in their lives and in their family lives be more acceptable. Some of those members don't want to be married. They want to simply live together. Scripture has a lot to say about that. Well, let's change Scripture. There's a lot of those kinds of pressing events going on within the lives of each one of those members of the churches. Same kind of pressing problems that were going on with the Israelites that I mentioned a moment ago. So let's change Scripture. That's what liberalism is all about. And it's so subtle. It works its way in so subtly. It's not often demanding preaching at first, especially from the preachers. It comes in from questioning. If you've got a church of 500 people, not everybody spends time reading and figuring out from the Lord through His Holy Spirit what these words mean. And so they ask questions. And it begins with such questions as the deity of Christ. Is Jesus really God? Is Jesus really God? That's being asked in so many of our churches these days. Is He really God? Is salvation by grace through faith really all that it takes? Why? Because it seems like we each need to be doing something to earn that salvation. They question the resurrection of Christ. Was it really real? They question, especially of late, is there more than one pathway for us to get to heaven? Is there more than one way that we can believe in order to get to heaven? The false teachers have really made great inroads in recent years. Probably the most serious inroad that they've made is to get as many as they could to deny the inspiration of Scripture. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How did the these words get on these pages? Well, right now, there is this big push to deny the inspiration of Scripture. That it is the very breath of God. It is inerrant, it is infallible, and it is authority. And today, you hear so many church leaders actually saying, yeah, but there are some errors. Oh, they came through interpretation, but there are errors in here. Just enough to bring question. And there are contradictions in here. It's written by man. It's intended to be just a guide and not intended to be absolute. As a young Christian, I was counseled by an older, wiser Christian to listen carefully to some of the first words that a preacher or a teacher would say as he opened his Bible and would begin to read. In our early years at French camp, we didn't have a pastor at our church. And so we had a lot of visiting pastors that came in. And I listened for this very thing. He says, now, if this wise Christian said, if, if this preacher that's up there, this teacher, if he prefaces his reading with such words as, let us look into these Scriptures and find God's truth within them. Do you hear anything wrong with, that, with those words? The implication being not all of these words in this book are God's truths. I heard it too often. That is heresy. That is destructive heresy. All the words within this book are inerrant, infallible, and they are the breath of God. There's no exception. Other false teachers deny God by questioning the historic accuracy of the Bible they would rather use a history book written by Josephus than this book many of them deny that Adam and Eve were really real people they were just metaphors for the beginning of mankind I recall my high school biology teacher one of my favorite teachers I did not know Christ at the time so I didn't know what she was talking about, but I remember it very clearly. She said these stories within the Bible, and she specifically mentioned Jonah and about the flood. She said those were not real. They were just metaphors. By the way, that very same thing was said by Bill O'Reilly on Fox News. That most of the stories he said in the Bible here, they are not really real. They are just metaphors used to make a point. Now, some might argue that Bill O'Reilly and my biology teacher were not the same as the false teachers that are spoken about here. But they are. They are. Those false teachers are all over the place in every area of our life. All spread throughout our high schools and our college campuses and in our seminaries and in some of our ordinary Sunday school classes, Bible studies, youth groups, they're everywhere. Another of the destructive heresies comes from those who would deny that there's an actual hell. That's a popular denial. And because hell is mentioned so many times in these Scriptures, it's really just another way of saying that these Scriptures are not the authority of God. Another destructive heresy that we're so familiar with right now, and it's the church's misguided effort To be more relevant and more inclusive especially is the preaching and the teaching that homosexual behavior is not really a sin. That it's simply an alternative lifestyle. And listen, some of those heretics who teach and preach that heresy, they've gone so far as to declare that the real sin that caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah was not the sin of perverse sexual behavior, but was actually the sin of a lack of hospitality. A lack of hospitality. May I say to you that that is just plain silly. I can imagine that those demons who put those ideas into the minds of those people who wrote that and are saying that, those demons are laughing hysterically at the idiocy of mankind to believe such foolishness. Folks, on the authority of these Scriptures, I declare to you that homosexual behavior is a sin. And it is a heresy to believe and to teach otherwise. Now, I'm running out of time. Let me just simply repeat another destructive heresy. It's one that I mentioned in our message last week. But it is the prevalent one that's going on throughout our churches all over this nation. And that is the heresy that God is a God of love only. That He will forfeit His righteousness and His holiness in favor of making sure that everyone gets to go into heaven. That is not in these scriptures. That is not in these scriptures. I urge you not to believe it. If God were going to save everyone, it would negate... All of the suffering that Christ had to do to save us. His suffering and His death. And it would deny the Master who bought us with His own blood. Let me close. There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Let's pray.